Thank you very much. If you would, please keep your Bible open to Joshua chapter number four. Thank you for being with us. Just want to remind you what a wonderful thing it is to have the scriptures in our language and to have in your hand. If you don't have a copy of the Bible, I hope you'll obtain one, and I hope it will become your dear friend. Someone said about the Bible, though the cover is worn, and though some pages are torn, and though places bear traces of tears, yet more precious than gold is this book worn and old that can shatter and scatter my fears. When I prayerfully look in this precious old book, many pleasures and treasures I see, many trophies of love from the Father above, who's nearest and dearest to me. This old book, it's my guide. It's a friend by my side, will lighten and brighten my way. And every promise I find in the Bible, it soothes and gladdens my mind as I read it and I heed it each day. Today and this morning already at 945, again tonight at 5 o'clock and on Wednesday at 7 o'clock, we're going to study on the Bible lesson uh, in our discipleship on the Word of God. I love that lesson. It's a lesson that teaches us the value and the, and the contents of the Scriptures. But the Bible is given to us for two main reasons. Number one, to show us how to get to heaven from here. A hundred years from this very moment, if you were to fast forward a hundred years from today, and it was 2000, and uh, instead of 2022, it's 2122. uh, From this very moment, all that's going to matter for everyone in this room is where you live. In heaven with God or in hell without him. That's all that's going to matter. It won't matter where you lived in this world. It won't matter your address. It won't matter what car you drove or what neighborhood you enjoyed. It won't matter the status you had or how much money you have in your 401k. All that's going to matter 100 years from now is where you live. In heaven with God or in hell without him. I love the Bible because it tells me how I can know for sure I'm going to heaven. If you're here today, you're not sure about that. I remember sitting in an auditorium. It was much smaller than this. It was in Picayune, Mississippi. I think our whole church might have fit in this half of this section right here. But I was sitting on the right-hand side when the preacher started telling me how I could have eternal life. And while he was talking on the outside, the Holy Spirit was talking to me on the inside. And he was saying, he's right. You're lost. You're in sin. You can't earn your way to heaven. See, the secret of eternal life is to learn that it cannot be earned. Going to heaven is not a reward for getting your act together. It's not trying to do good so you can go to heaven. That's not possible. We've already done too many bad. (laughs) The only way we can go to heaven is if somebody pays for our sin for us, and someone did. God so loved you and me that he sent his son, Jesus Christ. He, the innocent, without any sin, died for me, the guilty that's got a lot of it. And he's covered me because that day when I heard from the Bible, someone took the Bible and showed me at the end of that service how I could know for sure when life is over, I'd go to heaven. And I think it's so important that you know that. If you're here today, you say, Pastor, I'm not sure if I died, I'd go to heaven. You're in a good place. Because someone can show you today from the Bible how you can know that. The first reason for the Bible is to show us how we can be made wise unto salvation, how we can know how we can be reconciled with God, how we can have our sins forgiven, how we can have eternal life. The second reason for the Bible is to teach us how to live after we know, number one, 
It tells us now how to live after we know we're saved. And everything God speaks to. Now, in the Bible, it's two, it's 66 books in one book. The first half is 39 books, and that's the Old Testament. The second half is the New Testament. That's the New Testament, and, and that tells us there's 26 books in that one. But in the book of the Old Testament, the Old Testament, there's a book called Joshua. It begins the history of the Jewish nation. The first five books, we call them the Pentateuch, or the books of the law. Genesis tells us how God started the human race with Adam and Eve, and how he started the Hebrew race with Abraham and Sarah. And then in Exodus, he said how he got his people out of Egypt. Leviticus is how he got Egypt out of his people. Numbers is a record of their wanderings. Deuteronomy is a book of remembrance to remind a new generation about the rules and the commandments of God. But when he comes to Joshua, the man who God used to lead God's people all those years, for 40 years, what was his name? Do you know his name? Moses. Yeah. Moses, the Bible says, is the meekest man in all the world. Of anyone who ever lived, no one was more willing to adjust to another's pace or agenda than Moses was. He led what the Bible Bible calls a stiff-necked people. The children of Israel were hard to deal with. And they went around what should have taken them 11 to 15 days to go from the Red Sea into Canaan land. It took them 40 years running around Mount Sinai. And he had to work with them. During those 40 years, they had a lot of funerals. The older generation died off. And, uh, but God fed them. He let their shoes last for 40 years. Aren't you glad your shoes can change every one? Well, I'd get bored with 40-year shoes, wouldn't you? And all of our girls said, amen. <laughs> girls like shoes, don't you? Well, anyway, they had their shoes last for 40 years. Their clothes lasted for 40 years. And every day, God would feed them in the morning and at night with uh, uh, food called manna. And then they said, well, we want more variety. We want some meat. And he gave them quail that would come, and they could cook quail. But God provided for over a million people uh, food every day for 40 years, miraculously. And the other people from other, other uh, countries and other backgrounds, they kept hearing, how are these people living? And they would talk about their God. They would talk about how strong he was and how mighty he was. But now it's time to go into the promised land. God had already told their forefather, Abraham, I'm going to give you a promised land. And, uh, but Moses couldn't go in. Moses lost his temper one day, even though he did a lot of good things. It's amazing how that anger can really mess up your future. It can mess up your present, and it can mess up your future. And the devil loves to get men angry, abusive, addicted, aloof, or even just absent altogether. Well, Moses missed his chance to take the people into the promised land. And now his protege, his right-hand man, was named uh, Joshua. And Joshua is given the responsibility to take them into the promised land. The, The barrier between them and the promised land is a river called the Jordan River. 
who at the time it had swollen its banks. It was overflowing, flooding, very wide, very deep, and hard to get through. And yet a million people needed to get through. At least 40,000 soldiers were going to go through. A lot of people. I don't know if it was a million. I may be wrong on that. That's how many came out of Egypt, but a lot of them died there. But nonetheless, there were, there were people coming across. It was time to go. God had spoken to Joshua and said, Joshua, I want you to be strong and of good courage. You're going to lead the people to do what I want them to do a long time ago, but now they're ready. It's a new generation. I've already given the book of Deuteronomy to remind them. Now you're going to take them across. And I want you to be strong and of good courage and let the word of God dwell in your mouth and in your heart and obey it and meditate on it and do it. Tell the people to do the same thing. He told them, he says, sanctify yourself. Make sure you're right with God when we make this transition. And uh, he told them that, and he sent uh, two spies into the other side of the river. They got across the the Jordan River, went to Jericho, spied out the land, and said, everything's there. God said it was going to be, and we're ready to go. Now they're standing, and they're at the brink of the river. And God told them, here's what's going to happen. But you're looking at all these people have to go across this deep river in the time where it's so swollen. How are we going to take our kids? And how are we going to take our animals? And how are we going to take our wagons? And all the things we're going to take across there. And the Lord said, here's what you're going to do. You're going to take the priest, and they're going to represent you. And I want you to go across. And as soon as the priests are willing to put their feet in the water, I'm, I'm going to show you what's going to happen. They put their feet in the water. And when they put their feet in the water, the water's opened. Now, these kids, these little guys that they're they're seeing this, most of them were not alive whenever God broke up the Red Sea in Egypt. Some of them never seen that, heard about it. Now God's going to open a river, and he opens it wide, puts walls on both sides, and they walk aground on the ground uh, across the, the, uh, the Jordan River. When they get into the river, the priests stand there with the Ark of the Covenant. They stand there, and the people go by. Whenever, the, the, whenever they go by, God says at the end, said, Joshua, I want you to do two things. I want you to set up two memorials. One of them is I want you to get these big boulders, send one man from all 12 tribes, and get a boulder, big old rocks, And I want you to set one memorial, and I want you to put it right in the middle where they put their feet. Build a a 12, put 12 big rocks that guys would have to carry on their shoulders, not little pebbles, big ones. And put them down in the middle of the river and make it a memorial. I'm sure some of it might have stuck out the top of the river. But I want you to pile them right there where the priests stood. And they're going to stay there for a long time. I don't think they're there today. They might be. But whenever Joshua wrote this, he says, they're, they're, they're still there today. There was a big mound of rocks there. And then after you do that, I want you to take another big rock from the, from the base of the river. Go dig it up, and everybody take one, put it on your shoulder. Every one person per tribe, 12 large boulders, Put it on your, on your shoulder, walk out of the river, and when you get on the other side in Gilgal, I want you to put those 12 there and pile them up as a memorial. Two memorials, one in the bottom of the river that was a dry bed at the time. 
that whenever God, when they would walk out there, the water would come back and they would see that there's something going around. There's, the water is going around some big rocks in the bottom of a, a memorial. And then another one on the outside uh, by, the, by the creek on, on in Gilgal next to it. Well, that's the background of our story. Let's look back at the verses, can we please? We are a Bible reading people. Let's see what the Bible says in verse number 19. Well, let me pick up verse 15. The Lord spake unto Joshua, saying, Command the priest to bear the ark of the testimony that they come up out of Jordan. He said, Tell them to bear the ark of the testimony as they come up out of it. And then Joshua, therefore, command the priest, saying, Come ye up out of Jordan. Go ahead and come up out of the, out of the base of that river. And it came to pass as the priests bore the ark of the covenant of the Lord were come up out of the midst of the Jordan, that the sole of the priest's feet were lifted up into the dry land. The waters of Jordan returned into their place and flowed over its banks as it did before. So he said, all right, guys, we've got the memorial in the middle of the river. You guys can come on out. Now look at verse number 19. And the people came out of Jordan on the 10th day of the first month. They were just five days short of a four, 40, um, 40 years. They came out on the Passover, but God wanted to celebrate the 40th Passover on the other side of the, the river Jordan, the promised land. And then those 12 stones, which they took out of Jordan, did Joshua pitch in Gilgal. He said, take those 12 stones and put them in Gilgal. And he spake unto the children of Israel, saying, when your children shall ask their fathers in time to what? Come, saying, what meaneth these stones? He said, let's pile them up there and make a memorial. And in years to come, when your kids will say, Daddy, what are those stones over there? Why are those 12 rocks piled on top of each other? He goes, I want you to tell them this. Look at verse 22. Then ye shall set, say, I'm sorry, then ye shall let your children know, saying, Israel came over this Jordan on what kind of land? And the Lord your God dried up the waters of Jordan from before you until ye were passed over as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up before thus until we were gone over. Now read verse 24. Everyone with me real quickly. Here's the reason for the rocks that all the people of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord that is, I want to speak to you just for a few moments about legacy stones. This is Legacy Sunday. And the number of 40 in the Bible is a number of transition. There were 40 years and now there's a transition into the promised land. When Jesus uh, was baptized, after he was baptized, what did he do for 40 days and 40 nights? He fasted a transition to an earthly ministry. When you see the word 40 in the Bible, you'll find usually that is dealing with some sort of a transition. And it's a transition. The 40 years is a generation in the Bible. And by the way, God is always concerned about the next generation. He's very concerned about the next 40-year period. How many of you are 40 years old or older? Would you raise your hand? I wish I didn't have to, but I have to. I saw my 40th birthday over 15 years ago. Good night. Somebody's getting old in this picture. My wife is, never mind. <laughs> uh, uh, 40, years, uh, 40 years old. That's a generation. 
There's something that's going on here. There's a transition. Usually after 40 years, you're getting ready to be a grandpa. If you got married in your 20s, your kids are starting to have their babies, and there's a transition going on. Another generation is coming on the scene. There's a transition there, and God's very concerned about that. And in a very special time in the nation of Israel, when he does a miraculous thing, I could just imagine people walking the river Jordan, and of all times for God to work, when the river was swollen and really spread out, it was, it was not an easy time. By the way, sometimes God does his deepest and most miraculous work when it's heavy and difficult time for you and for me. Sometimes that's what he does. Aren't you glad God does the right thing? He does all things well. Sometimes you get pushed to a place where there's, you don't know what to do, and that's when God does his deepest and most miraculous. I can just imagine walking across the River Jordan, teenagers and adults and moms and dads and little kids held on the arm or on the back of these. They were looking and saying, look at this. This is dry. Man, and we're not getting stuck in the bottom of this. This is dry, hardened area we can walk right through. Over 40,000 soldiers who are fighting men walked in there, even from the tribe of, of Manasseh and Gad, who were parked on the other side of Jordan. They, their soldiers went with them, and they made their way across in dry land. But God did not want them to forget about that. He wanted them to remember while they were alive. And I think that's that first memorial. He put it in the middle of the river so that people that saw it happen could say, this is what God did for us. They could take their kids down the River Jordan and say, see how that water goes around that thing? You know why? Because there's 10 big boulders in the middle of that river. And it's a reminder for us. Those are legacy stones reminding us how strong God is, what God has done in our hearts and our lives. And I want you to see, kids, you see how that water goes like that and goes around? I was there when we walked across that, it was as dry as a bone. And God made us put, he asked us to put 10 rocks to remind ourselves what God did in our generation. But in the wisdom of God, he wanted another memorial. He wanted them to get 10 more rocks out of the, out of the basin of that Jordan River and bring them out and set them in Gilgal. And he put 10 boulders there so that for generations to come, People could say, see those legacy stones right there? See those stones of memorial? A man from Gad and a man from Judah and a man from Benjamin. And, and every one of the tribe from Levi, everybody put a big rock on there. And that's a reminder that our God is strong and that all the world needs to know about him. And that he can take care of us. If he took care of us then, he can take care of us today. Now, I want to speak just for a few moments to older generation. You may not have the joy to be a grandparent. But all of us have a responsibility to the next generation. All of us ought to, ought to set up legacy stones of faithfulness and of right. There are some things that you just ought to decide. It, 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 it aggravates me and it saddens me that many people just don't have enough understanding, and enough sacrifice to do the right thing for the next generation. Mark Twain said, nothing aggravates me more than a good example. What we need today is we need some good examples. 
Your sermons whisper, but your life is loud. We need some older folks that will set up some stones of living stones and legacy stones that can say, hey, this is important. Let me just give you a couple of them real quickly. Our time is going by so fast. But would you look, if you would please, and take your Bibles and turn to Psalm 78. Psalm 78. In verse number 6, here's what the Bible says. I'm going to have to hasten if you're yet, uh, just fake it. I'm just joking. No, no, you keep finding it. Verse 6, the generation to come might know them. Every children, even the children which should be born and should arise and declare them unto their children that they might set their hope in God. You know, what do you want for your kids? That they will, they will trust the Lord. And they'll not forget God's works. And they'll keep his commandments. Verse number 8, read it out loud if you have it now. Psalm 78, verse 8, are you ready? And might not be as their fathers. Whose spirit was not steadfast with God. He said, look, God is concerned about the next generation. He said, don't be like some grandparents are. Don't be like some of the fathers were. And he says they were stubborn in their heart against God. They wanted it their way, and they didn't care what God wanted. They didn't care what, what would honor their parents. They didn't care. They wanted it their way. They, had, they, had, they were too strong and too stubborn and rebellious. And they set not their heart right with God, and they didn't honor him. I want to ask you something today. Here's a couple legacy stones. This is very quickly, so you'll have to listen quick. Number one, I think all of us ought to set up a legacy stone, a sensitivity to God's word. Look, there's a way that seemeth right to the man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Some folks, you heard about the person, they've named a street after my spouse, one way. <laughs> it has to be their way. You don't want, there is a way that seemeth right to a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. And I think one legacy stone you want to give to your children is mom and dad, grandpa and grandma, they were sensitive to the word of God. Whatever God said, that's what they did. Number two, they were surrendered to the will of God. Notice, he said, like their fathers, they were stubborn against God's word. They knew what they were supposed to do, but they did it. They, they worshiped their way instead of God's way. The next group, they were rebellious. They were rebellious. Instead of being surrendered to the will of God, they were rebellious against God. You want to be a blessing to your grandkids? I, I don't know anybody. I, I guess the thing about being a grandparent that's so cool is that you have a, you're old enough now to have a little capacity to love a little deeper. It's a weird thing being a grandparent. I'm getting weirder by the day. I mean, I love my kids. They are all right and everything. I'm just joking. These grandkids, they just kind of occupy mine. Wherever I see a picture of them on her hearth, I just say, wherever they are, I want to be there right now. And there's a weird draw going there. Boy, if I can be talking to someone down here in the front after the service, and they're talking to me about stuff, and I'm listening. But if I see our granddaughter over here, I'm just like, are you having a good time? I hope you have a good time. God bless you. Where's the grandbaby? Boy, I can't hardly focus. Poor guy might be suicidal. I said, well, I'm sure the Lord will help you. There we go. Where's the grandbaby? It's crazy. 
But you know, if I love that little girl, one thing I ought to want to do is be sensitive to the Holy Spirit of God. I ought to be surrendered to what the Bible tells me to do. And then I ought to be steadfast in the work of God. I want to get my heart right. You want to get your heart right. One of the blessings you can do. We think, well, I want to give my kids a lot of money. Forget the money and live a holy life. Do your giving while you're living. And give them a legacy of somebody who loved Jesus Christ, who was sensitive to the Holy Spirit of God, who surrendered to the will of God, and who was steadfast. They finished strong, doing the right thing the right way for the right reason until they died. I don't think I have a problem with retiring, but in the Bible it says, and they died. <laughs> no one just said, and they retired. No. It said, they live and then they, they die. You know what that tells me? Live for God my whole life. You want to be a blessing? Have a testimony that you are steadfast, you are surrendered, and, uh, and, and that you, you let God help you stay right with him your whole life. But in closing today, and I hope everybody gets their, their chain jerk today. If you're a teenager, decide, you know, you, have, you know how you're going to be a good grandfather one day? You know how you be a good grandmother one day? Just be a good teenager today. Be sensitive to the Spirit of God. Be surrendered to the will of God. Be steadfast in the work of God. That's a good legacy to live. Let me tell you real quickly, there may be someone here, but the greatest legacy you can leave for your grandchildren is that you'll see them again in heaven. I've stood the casket now 523 times with a hurting family who has lost a loved one. Some of them have been baby caskets. Some have been teenagers, but most of them have been older people. 523 times. And one of the more tragic things, and sad things to me, maybe not tragic, but I'll ask someone, do you know if your, if your dad or mom, your grandma and grandpa, do, they, do, they, do you know they're saved? When did they accept the Lord? Do, they, do you know you'll see them again? And sometimes I hear very quickly, oh, yes. They got saved when they were eight. They got saved when they were 30. They got saved. My mom, my dad led my grandparents to the Lord. My grandpa, there's a man in this room this morning, I think his name is Louie. Louie got saved because his grandkids got a burden for him. They said, Granddaddy, we don't want you to go to hell. We want you to be saved. And it caused Louis to want to hear the gospel of Christ and to trust Jesus. And you know, you want to give your grandkids and your, but for you, you want to have eternal life. And the only way to have eternal life is through Jesus Christ. Jesus loves you. He died for you. He's the only way you can be saved. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I died, I'd go to heaven. One of the greatest Legacy stones you can get. The number one, the one that's on the bottom, is the stone of salvation. Making sure you're saved. I appreciate people who are sensitive to the Spirit of God, and surrender to the will of God, and steadfast in the work of God. But all that doesn't matter if you don't have the stone of salvation. If you're here today and you're not sure if you died, you go to heaven, let someone take the Bible and show you today how you can know that. Let's bow our head and close our eyes.